What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a designer for whom discovery is at the heart of what she does. She grew her firm out of the 08 recession into a globally recognized creative studio. She was an HGTV host on Aloha Builds with her brother. Her firm was recently selected as one of BDNY's Gold Key Award winners for Best Guest Room Midscale, the Wayfinder Waikiki. She's the president and creative director at the Vanguard Theory. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Jaime. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Dan. It's so good to be out here in Hawaii. I have a really funny story. I love coffee. I love black coffee. And I'm staying over at the Lalo on Waikiki. Right. And I think her name is Clarissa. She was working at the little coffee bar there. And she said, do I want honey in my coffee? I said, I'd never heard of that in my entire life. And I'm a beekeeper. Are you? I am. Did you know that's like my goal? No. Oh, so we're going to have a have to have okay. a whole separate conversation All outside right. of here. Really? Yeah. It's a symbol of hospitality, a bee. Is it? Yes. No wonder. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm not kidding. Oh, good. Well, we can, we'll get in there a little bit, but I've okay, never, have you, ever, have, have you ever heard of honey in your coffee? Um, No one has ever asked that. It's weird. It's really weird, but I had it. I went for a great run and I came back and I said, Clarissa, Thank you. I felt like I was running on a cloud. And I think she forgot who I was and was like, what are you talking about? I'm like all sweaty. <laughs> and uh, it was a really cool new experience. So now I'm going to I'm gonna try that. Local honey in my coffee. Is that, are you a creamer or just? No, just black. Well, now and honey. And Well, and honey. But I don't know. It's like, anyway, it was just very exciting. I'm, I'm excited to try it news. <clears throat> so I, I feel like I always experience and learn new things. Whenever I come to Hawaii. Look at that, Clarissa. Clarissa. Just opening up your mind. Yes. <laughs> and my coffee. Um, well, I just want to say thank you for being here. I love being in Hawaii. It's exciting to be back. Um, and as we get into our conversation, or before we do, like, what does hospitality mean to you and how do you define it? Well, hospitality in Hawaii is, is sort of part of our, our culture. I mean... You'll probably hear people from the mainland say they come and visited for the first time and then got hanaied or adopted um, by a local family or and then brought them over to the house and cooked for them and took them out to the beach and showed them their culture, showed them their neighborhood and their family. Um, so it's, it's very much a part of our culture here. Mm. So I think we grew up in Hawaii as kind of a duty to have to be like hospitable. Um, and then on the larger kind of more like industry term, I think hospitality is the same thing in different types of projects like hotels. It's the same like exchange of you kind of taking care of people and showing them the ropes and, and then really showing them like the authentic part of your life. And I mean, you've had a varied career journey, right? So you, Went to college here in Hawaii, born and raised in Hawaii, mm -hmm. went to California, studied interiors. Mm -hmm. Where did you work when you came back to Hawaii from the mainland? 
Well, so I had a kind of, you know, cheers to whoever figures out what they want to do at an early age, but I had a lot of zigzags. So at first I thought I wanted to be like a psychologist and um, I really did not have the emotional bandwidth for that, mm. though I find it really interesting. And it does give me a lot of, of like foundation to work with right now. Um, but I had a friend who owned a big interior design firm here called Philpotts Interiors. Oh, wow. Who is the friend? John Stop. <gasps> Marion Philpotts. Yeah. I love them. I have, they, I have to tell great. you, I'm going to tell you a life-changing story mm -hmm. for me regarding John. I mean, but they were fabulous. I mean, fabulous. And, you know, growing up here, I didn't, like, I had a very humble uh, upbringing. So I didn't have any fancy friends or I didn't have interior design friends, architect friends, anything kind of artsy in my life where that's what they did for career. So it wasn't until like my 20s that I meet John and Marion and they just, they were so nice and they were like, hey, if this is what you're interested in, come work in our library for a summer, see if this is what you like and then maybe go back to school and that, do, what, do that. So I did and I remember people, I mean, they had fancy clients and I was working in the library and one of the designers asked me, can you help me pull fabrics for Kelsey Grammer's sofa? I'm like, oh my God, I got to pull a fabric. I, got to pull. I don't know if they ever used my fabric, but it was like such a big deal. So I was hooked and then went back to school. You have to think that they used the fabric on like a chaise lounge that he used when he was getting into character as a psychologist for Frasier. Oh, circle right? back. I'm circling back to psychology. <laughs> that was a good one, right? Um, did you study psychology in undergrad? Undergrad, and I spent some time in graduate school doing that. Yeah. Mm. So that's interesting because I think psychology and your definition of hospitality and kind of creating these spaces for others, I think that there's like a good Venn diagram about those oh, for sure. three things. Yeah. And because it's it's so much of it is about empathy from what I've heard, mm -hmm. seen and heard. Um, and being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and have, have under, <clears throat> understanding for where they're coming from and then you can meet them in the middle. Um, side note also, I started my hospitality career in a library at you Hirsch did? Bedner. Yeah, in Santa Monica. You did? Yeah. I worked there for two summers. It was fun. Get to learn a lot. Get to build shelves, reorganize everything. Are you a little OCD? Do you like sometimes I have to like really focus in on something? Uh -huh. But most more than OCD, I'm like severe ADHD. Oh, you are. Yeah, like I've broken the the spectrum of. ADHD. I think it's. I think that's why you're probably very entrepreneurial. I think so. I I got a I got shades of that too. But it's it's interesting I, and staff. actually hearing about. I'll ask them when we're done. But hearing about your, I forgot about your TV experience on HGTV until you reminded me today. Mm -hmm. But talk about Varied because you started, went to school, went to Phil Potts, working in the library, went to graduate school, right. came back, started in, then started working in design. Then you started a multi-line rep agency, but you said you hated it or you didn't, you weren't good at it. I wasn't great at it, mm -hmm. no. And then you went and, how did you find your way to TV, HDTV? You know, they found my brother. And my, I mean. What's his name? David. David. Yeah. And David's meant for TV. I mean, he really is. Like, he knows where the camera is. He knows his angles. He's got that TV voice, mm. you know. But, and he's got it. I mean, he's very talented as well. So, they found him. He was featured in a local magazine. And the, 
and a production company was down here trying to do a show in Hawaii about, you know, all the HDTV shows are kind of like, there's always like a brother and brother, a husband and wife. So when they asked him if he was interested, if they, he had like a partner like that, and he said, my sister. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't at first. And, um, and so. Was he like the builder and you were the designer? Yeah. Oh, wow. But so David designed builds. Like, so we don't work together normally, but um, so, because he does everything himself, design builds, he does restaurants, houses and stuff. So he had, we had to work together. And David and I are very close in age. We're a year and a half apart. Mm. So it was like kind of, it was a very new dynamic for both of us, for him kind of letting me design and me like just because he's the end person who just builds everything. But you know? the TV, the show also wants you to get in arguments and fights. No, not that show. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah. I, I remember it's you not, told like me this. Bravo. It's like Real Housewives sort of thing. It's like HGTV. Everything is great. And what year was that? 2018, I think. Because mm -hmm. I think I remember you told me or maybe Brady told me and or Shilly. I don't remember, but I remember being somewhere and then you were on TV. I was like, what the hell? And I took a picture and I may have texted you. Yeah, TV screen. I, I remember that. Okay, you were probably in some like courtyard. I was, in, yeah, I was at a Marriott <laughs> courtyard in like Wichita, Kansas, yeah. at a job site a review, and, like, <laughs> just waiting. And you there know, you go. I was like, oh my god, I got to get back to Hawaii. You know what? Those things like they they play it forever. I mean, I will look like I'll probably be you know eighty years old, and they're still playing it in a lobby in Wichita, Kansas. And do you get residual checks from Wichita that? Is. Wichita's in Kansas, yes. Do you get um, residual checks from that? No. So it's not like every quarter you'll get like, oh, I got a 75 cent check from HGTV. Oh, I wish. I would be so rich. 75 cents. Like <laughs> no. there's like a diminishing return of it over No, time. I think they just keep like selling the show. Mm. I'll probably be in like some obscure lobby in Europe somewhere in the hostel. Mm. <laughs> like, well, later. I'm really glad you brought up John Staub because it was just yesterday it was either yesterday or the day before i saw someone from keoya a guy named david i believe um i was in la at alice and i was recounting a story about how john staub changed my life he changed your life he, too he changed my life is he just like a miracle guy he is and i actually went on my run where i was sweaty today i went into the moana surf rider to the big banyan tree mm -hmm. and took a picture and i to send it to the two people i was talking to at alice um, I think it was David. I just met him. I have his card. Um, so I was just awarded one of the towers to do the furniture at the Moana Surfrider. So I said, hey, John, let's go have a drink. Thank you. So we sat under the banyan tree. And it must have been, must have been 2013, 14. I don't remember. Probably the same time you were on TV. And... We were sitting there and as an entrepreneur with ADD, I, I don't think I'd ever unplugged in like 10 years of being an entrepreneur. So it was just always phone, computer, text, nonstop. And so we were just talking about that under the tree. And he's like, well, you know, you just have to unplug every once in a while. And I said, well, what is that? What do you mean by that? He said, well, I unplug twice a year for four weeks each. So I'm like, and as he's telling me that I'm getting like, panic attack i'm like how the hell i know how the fuck do you do that yeah he's like i have a really good team 
I was like, okay, well, I'm still kind of just starting and I have a team, but it's not enough to like unplug for two months. And I said, but you know what? I'm going with my family. My kids were really little. We go, we went to this family camp called Rocky Wall Deep Haven Camps out in uh, New Hampshire for, I don't know, 10 years over July 4th. And it was our first time going. And July 4th was on a Wednesday. So I was leaving. I was, I was probably with him in June. Mm -hmm. So like three weeks later, I was going there. I was like, you know what, John? Or he said, well, you're going away for a week. Why don't you just take that week and try with one week? And I said, okay. To to totally unplug. Totally unplug. Okay. Like, there's Wi-Fi. Normally, you would probably like still be plugged in. Correct. Well, okay. there's there's like there is Wi-Fi at this camp. There's everything. But I I made a promise to myself to not touch my phone or computer for one week. And July fourth was on a Wednesday, so I felt I could do it. Yeah. But like Thursday morning, I woke up in complete panic. Heck. But I just breathed and I chilled out and I fought it and. Um, like I wasn't even picking up my phone to take pictures of my kids. Like I was literally oh, wow. analog. Yeah, okay. totally analog. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I wrote him this. Like I wrote a very heartfelt letter, or it was a letter because I sealed it. Um, oh, it was cursive. I don't know. I, I might. He wouldn't be able to read that. My my handwriting is terrible. Um, but it was like kind of block letter, and I just said, you know, John, thank you so much. Like you've changed my life. I never didn't oh, know that this nice. was possible. Right. Um, I'm going to be in Hawaii in August. I'd love to see you. Um, I sent it, and then you know went on with my summer. I think in July at some point I said, "Hey, I'm going to be out there in August." I emailed him. Right. No response. I'm like, "Well, that's a bummer." So then uh, I found out he had a stroke. Oh yeah. And. I saw him at one of the trade shows. It might have been Ve uh, HD Vegas, and he was on one of those rascals going around. Yeah. And I ran up to him, and I gave him a big hug, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, I got your letters." Kind of like in a yeah, sa like sassy voice. I got it, <laughs> but you can see I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> like healing, rehabilitation, and um, he said, "But now you see why it's so important to do that." Yeah. And I said, "Oh, that's sweet, yeah." Yeah. So then I, every year over July fourth. I would do that. But since the pandemic, I haven't done it. So now I, I've been really thinking about it a lot. I really need to fully go analog for a week. Do you do anything like that to recharge? You know, it's funny. I talked about that as the goal for this year. I think I did it once on um, my honeymoon in Tahiti, and it was a little hard to get the Wi-Fi where we were at. So I was like, ah, whatever, mm. you know, and it felt really good. It takes a while to like fully decompress. Mm. It's faster when you fully unplug that way. So when you're checking all the time, it's harder. But I that's it's really a goal. And I think like creatively to recharge totally is important because if you're always on behind the screen, how are you gonna learn anything new? Mm -hmm. So I find my best ideas when I'm like not working. Yeah, go I find my best ideas come when I'm going for a walk or a run or While a you're hike. Running, right? Yeah. It's um it's almost a it's like I'm exerting myself, but I'm really focused on breathing and kind of not focused. It's almost meditative in a way. Right. Right. Or when you're bored. I feel like when you're you allow, you're you allow yourself to get bored. You know, you bring up a really good point because I remember as a kid being bored a lot. And I really feel sad for my kids and their friends because with all the phones and all the screens, 
no one's ever really bored anymore. Right. And I think good ideas and imagination come from being bored. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 100%. You know, I haven't seen John Staub in a really long time. It would. Lo- I, it sounds like he goes around the world and just tries to reposition people's lives in a better direction. Well, he did. He did with me. I should. I need to definitely reach out to him. Um, he, yeah, he's like. I'm so grateful for that kind of course adjustment he gave me. Yeah. Right. Um, but also speaking of that, like, there's so many Hawaiian design firms, right? You being one of them, mm-hmm. and I do. And obviously, there's so many hotels on all of the islands and yeah. just other projects. I notice that oftentimes. Hawaiian firms will design Hawaiian projects and mainland firms will design Hawaiian projects. But I see very rarely that Hawaiian firms will design mainland projects. Right. Like, have you noticed that? And is there a solve for it? I would love to hear the solve for it because it's always been a struggle for us um, to be sort of valued the same as a mainland designer would be. And, you know, we have great projects and we have great clients, but the majority have been like 99% them have been in Hawaii. We've done stuff in Nashville and and things like that, like that are, they hired us because they knew us from Hawaii, Mm. but um, it's very hard for us to go outside. And I, I I don't know why that is, but I could assume it's because people feel like Hawaii is so far away and it's very specific to its culture and that we have one look, the Zoolander one look, but we- The blue steel. The blue steel. (laughs) But we, you know, I think we have to really work extra hard to prove that we can do other things. But you do have a footprint in the mainland. We do. So Shalia um, Sullivan is my associate designer and she's rad and she's out in Seattle. I've known her forever. No, she's so nice, isn't she? Yeah, so I think nice. I worked on one of her first projects as a designer. I think she was a Gensler many, many moons ago mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah. and uh, She's a force. Yeah. I mean, this lady has three kids. And she's like, I remember when she first started working with us. Can you say wahine? Yeah, wahine. This wahine? This wahine. Has three kids. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Okay. I mean, actually, it's wahine. But like, wahine. But we, wahine. Okay. Yeah, this wahine. She has three kids. And at the time, I think her son was four. And she threw a a party for her husband. She worked a full day. I went over to her house afterwards. She had a full lamb roast cooked, craft cocktails. She picked up her kids. I mean, I don't know how she, this girl does everything. And she's so good. She's like 100% all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I I got, I'm really lucky. I think I need to tell Daniel that I need to go to Seattle next time. Have Celia cook me a lamb, a lamb I roast. Mean, she's serious. Did she bury it in the in the ground with <laughs> banana leaves? No. no, hard to get in Seattle. Those banana leaves. It is, and it's a little too rainy. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So no, but okay. So I want to. I'm going to push you a little bit here. So I saw you in November in New York City, mm-hmm. and you're very good about. You particularly are really good about going to all of the events, whether it's an ILC event, a BD event, a HD event, yeah. and really good at networking and seeing what's going on out there. But then you were up for this Gold Key Award and you won. Yeah. How 
important do you think that would be as far as helping get more work in the mainland? You know, it's funny that you say that because everyone recently thinks that's our first gold key award. We won. That's our second gold key award. Oh, I didn't award. know that. Yeah. We won. Um, uh, See, poor, 2000- research, poor research. <laughs> I forgot about your TV thing. Also. Where's your whole staff? <laughs> yeah. Digging up stuff. Damn it. No, but I mean, this kind of goes back to your answering your question. In 2016, we won for best public space um, or lobby. I think best lobby. Which for, one? Um, for the Surf Jack. Oh, no way. Hotel. Yeah. And at the time, it was just like, uh, I think it was just um, two people working in our office. So it was a really, I mean, we no one knew us. We're small, little business, and we were able to compete on that level, and we won. And still no one knew us. And it was like, we were thinking that something was going to happen big. Like, we were going to get phone calls. We were going to get, like, asked to do you know, projects, major projects in the mainland, like nothing, nothing. Uh, I think um, the crew from Surfjack, like the owners and the developers. Who are the owners and developers of that? So that was, the majority owner was Green Oak. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ben Rafter. Oh, Ben. Thunder, I just saw him I think, from afar. We were like yeah. 20 feet from each other and winked at each other. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I think Eric Warner and Stephen Chen stayed on as minority. Okay. But no. Well, I love those guys. Yeah. So it was a fun group. And I think, you know, having done that successfully, because it was successful for them financially, um, that we got more work from that team. But beyond that, I mean, one guy I met right after the, the, sh- the award ceremony was like, oh, where are you based out of? Oh, Hawaii. Oh, maybe something closer to Asia. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we're American. Awesome. <laughs> when they say like, oh, when we go back to the states, I'm like, our state. Exactly. You know. Hmm. And you, I mean, you travel all the time, yes. right? So like, for us, minimum travel time is five hours, mm. and it's no big deal. Like, I was just in LA for the weekend for a girl's like birthday mm. trip. Two days and I came back. So it's like I wonder not a big if it's deal. like from like a contractual perspective, maybe ownership groups or project managers think that there would be too much of a travel cost to come to to the mainland. But tickets are pretty darn reasonable too. I mean, it's tickets not like, are reasonable. I'm up there all the time. Shalia lives up there. Yeah. So it's not and a you have an office there. Yeah, it's not a yeah, it's not a big deal. Travel, you know, now especially after the pandemic. The way that we communicate is a lot more accessible as well. So, so you know what? Um, one of my favorite movies is Billy Madison, and I oh bring God. this up all the time. Is that the one with Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Yeah. But you know, he's like he's in story time with like it's almost nap time, and Miss Lippy is reading a story about some dog that gets lost. Oh, I can't remember the name of the dog, but she's like, and then little Billy put posters all over town asking to help find his dog. And all the kids are kind of falling asleep. And then the end. And then Billy Madison, Adam Sandler's like, wait, 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 Miss Lippy. Hold on. You're telling me this kid goes around and puts up all these signs and he doesn't go that extra mile. He doesn't try and like call his friends and do all this. He's like, Miss Lippy, you got to, he, he's got a job. He's got a responsibility. He's got to find that fucking dog. <laughs> I love it. So to me, do I got to go out there? You got to go out there. I mean, you're out there. Maybe Shalia's got to get out there. Yeah. 
and go push her out the door. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I I don't go to all the things. I'm not you like- You go to a lot of them. Well, I go there for like creative, mm-hmm. like ammo, basically. I'm not like a great networker. Mm. I got my own like style. Everyone has their own style. I'm more like, I don't want to meet anybody just to network. Mm. I want to really like, meet somebody and actually have a good conversation. Deep, meaningful conversation. Yeah. I'm not one of those that stand there and talk to you and then look beyond you. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty you. of that sometimes. Are you? Oftentimes. I try really hard to you know, focus is it on your, talking. Is your ADD? It is, but I also, I remember hearing a story about, um, I forget what president it was. It might have been John F. Kennedy. And someone was talking about like what they appreciated about President Kennedy. Yeah. I could be wrong on the president. But they said, like, in all these events and all these people, and everyone would always be around at these gala events. But he was, he was like, better than any human being of locking in yeah. in a conversation and being yeah. 100% present of what was being said. So I, I really beat myself up when I'm talking to someone. And then I do that look because, like, if it's a trade show or someone's walking yeah. by, but I just have to lock in. Well, I, I am ADD, too. Mm. Like... So I often get sick of my own conversation that I'm having, like midway through my sentence, I'm already thinking about something else. Mm. So it's really a struggle to keep like. Keep it all together. Keep it all together. Well, or, but maybe, but going back to your kind of the premise of the, of the line of questioning is. This is our ADD conversation. No, it's, it's like, no, but it's uh, yeah, the squirrel. <laughs> Are there squirrels in Hawaii? No. Oh, okay, good. Can't bring them here. Do not bring squirrels. They'll check you at the at the thing. But um, you are putting yourself out there. I see you at the places. But maybe that has to go with the um, the prejudice. I'm going to say prejudice. I think it's a bad. Maybe it's a clumsy word. But like, or the the preconceived notion that for whatever's keeping Hawaiian design firms from doing more work on the mainland, like yeah. you're out there, you're doing it, you're winning awards. You're on fucking TV for God's sakes. Yeah. I wonder why. It's like a. I'm not a hard seller, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that works for anybody. Like that's a creative to be a hard seller. Mm. I just feel like I'm still in the process of like this is what I do. If you like it, I don't know. Come here, come our way. Give me a call. But you're I'm, but you've built you've built quite a a track record of projects and and happy clients and yeah. and success, right? Yeah. If you were to think about um, a hotel project for you that, like you said before, for Green Oak and Ben and uh, Stephen and Eric, like it was financially very rewarding. A lot of that has to do with buying right and repositioning and getting the rates up, right? Because then that increases the NOI and the overall value of the project. What's a really great example of where you guys came in the Vanguard theory and really repositioned something in a major way that was a resounding success? I think, I mean, we were pretty scrappy when we work with uh, our clients. I think a lot of, we understand the goal. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Ben's projects, I mean, he takes, and Ben Raptors from Springboard, but, um, you know, when he went to the ownership side, he found, and he knows very He's very familiar with all these distressed properties mm-hmm. in Waikiki. Um, and he he finds those things and he comes to us and he's 
built on the relationship we had on Surfjack and would be like, can you give me a new concept? And he just is like, hey, you guys are the creatives. Let's just do it. And so when we know the goal and we know his budget and timeline, we can, we just have that relationship that we can get there. So we've got, I mean, White Sands was one of them that we did with him. Renew was another one. What We did the branding for that one too. And um, yeah, I mean, most of our projects were pretty scrappy. And I feel like we are given a challenge of like X amount per key. And we do this beautiful design. And a lot of times when people are not familiar with, with working with us, they'll look at it and go, now that's too expensive. You can't hit that budget. I'm like, just let us work it. And you've already done your homework. We've done, we just know what material costs, dimensions are. So we're not going to, we design around those things. And we know how much it costs to get things to Hawaii and how long it takes to get things to Hawaii. That's an added cost. Mm. So when we started doing projects in the mainland, I swear like it was nice because we had a cushier budget because there's not this like, 25 to 30% freight. Oh, haircut. Yeah. yeah. And then there's not this like, there's there's just so many more options when you work in projects in the mainland. So when we do it, it's just like it flies by fast and we get to a better product because now we're just not limited to getting things to the middle of the Pacific. So sorry, I'm on this rant here, but like I, I feel like- Yeah, you have a lot of headwinds to have a successful project because there's like a 30% Freight, right. headwind, and, and really, installation, and labor, and installation. Everything is just so much more here. So to re, there's so many more constraints. For there's you to so work many. On. I mean, and then the permitting process here is bananas. Mm. Bananas. It takes like nine to twelve months to get your permit. I'm not kidding. So we strategize on turning in our some like documents, and then we go back to the furniture. It's just like, you know, we we end up being part of the conversation of development, not just a consultant, like let's get some, you know, cosmetic things in there. We're talking about like major strategy on, on like logistics and uh, for FF&E and, and uh, also for um, permitting. Maybe the, maybe the angle to take is for mainland projects. Look, there's constraints on every project, so I don't want to minimize that. Mm -hmm. But like, I love the idea of how you said being scrappy because you have so many headwinds and so many constraints. Yeah. It's like in the mainland, you don't have that 30% headwind of freight, logistics, handling, no. and that you could do even more out there. Yeah. And then you know what I love about working in the mainland mm. is if you're on a project, say you're doing a lobby, which we've kind of done, and 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 you you like, I need accessories or I need whatever, like a lamp or what, you can go out and get those things. Okay. In Hawaii, there's nothing. We have to order and then we have to either fly there to look at it in person. Or go to an ABC store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our accessories are mac macadamia nuts on the shelf. Yes. <laughs> chocolate coffee. covered. We're going to do chocolate covered, yeah. caramel covered. I don't know if we can afford the chocolate covered. Oh, right. Okay. We're scrappy, remember? Scrappy, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just I'm 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 actually perplexed about that as well, and and that. But I also think like on the other side of that coin, I think it's um, you know, there's an extra challenge for a mainland non-Hawaiian design firm to do projects here, and a lot of them do projects here. But they, I think they have to be really sensitive to the fact that they're not like putting tiki heads everywhere or what, or like kind of making it a you know a Disneyified version okay. of what. Hawaii is. Yeah. And I, 
I appreciate when um, non-local design teams come here and want to consider the culture. Mm. Um, and there's a fine line of appropriation, mm -hmm. right, and celebration. So I think it's 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 sometimes it's a little a kick in the gut when you see somebody that's not local talk about like explaining the culture to you mm. of where you live. So um, I'm seeing a lot more people trying to engage with cultural consultants or like local people, but I would really like to see people engage with local fabricators, local artists, local designers. And that's something that's really important to us because we can have one lens as, an, in, as a design firm and design something that we say, this represents the community. Yeah. But if we don't engage the community, community that's not really authentic. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we really believe in when we did projects elsewhere, we make sure to engage like the craftspeople, the artists, the whoever, the designers of that community, because it's not just our lens, it's the community's lens of telling that story and being, showing hospitality. Mm. Um, I want to pull on the, the scrappy thread a bit more. Does my memory serve me right that when you started Vanguard Theory, as far as to like just get, get business and do stuff, you would do like specifications and drawing, like you were yeah. like almost like an outsourced yeah. specification writing, drawing, like, what, like how did you, when you decided to start it in the wake of the financial crisis, like, how did you, what were the types of projects you were doing then to, like, your approach now? So, I mean, we started it during the recession, like, the wake of the, the recession. So, not a great time to also start a, a business. Also a great time to start a business, too. Also a great time to but start But typically a not a great time. <laughs> Nobody's knocking on our doors for any projects. Um, but when they did, we noticed that some of the big design firms they were running thin. You know, they just laid off their whole staff and they probably had like one or two people. So when they got a hotel project or a big commercial project, they didn't have the staff, but they knew us. Mm -hmm. um, so we come and augment their team. So we ended up doing like design sourcing. So some of them like had hospitality experience, but in one lane and they knew coming from where we came from, coming from where we came from, uh, we did residential and we did hospitality. So mm -hmm. we had, we could bring in more sources. So we started doing design sourcing from that for them, specification writing, um, drawings. Uh, so we helped build the team. And that was your, what was your first full big shot? We did with ADI, we did the Westin uh, Maui Resort and Spa. It was 552 rooms at Ocean Tower. Wow. Yeah, that was our big one that we did with them. And how, the, did, how did you get them to believe in you and take the leap with you as so a new company? Jim, uh, sorry, Jim Otonaga, he was one of the principals there. And he knew us from, because he used to work long ago. Did he come from Outrigger? He came from, I don't know, like, but he was, he worked at Phil Potts long ago, way the before The name me. sounds very familiar. He's a purchasing guy now, oh, JMI. Wow. But um, I think he like purchased Holly, uh, Holly Puna. Okay. Um, and then Judy went to go work with him. Wow. Yeah. So we, um, so we, sorry, we got 
a job with him because I think he was running lean. It was just him. And he he was at that time in his career that he kind of wanted to retire. So he just want, really wanted to be client facing, but not necessarily like in the weeds. Um, so we were in the weeds and um, it was a great relationship. And we did many projects with, with him and ADI, but that was the first real big one when we started our company. Wow. Yeah. And then being an entrepreneur yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah. In Hawaii. As like a founder. Yeah. What do you think your biggest challenge has been? I guess it doesn't even have to be in Hawaii. It could be anywhere. I think, I mean, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel this way, but maybe it's because I'm a woman too. The Vahine. 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 Yeah. It's with a V? The W's are V's oh. most of the times. In German. Vahine. Yeah. But we say Wahine. Okay. Um, scaling. Mm. So I think, you know, that risk factor of like scaling really big and then having to lay off a bunch of people is pretty crappy. Yeah. You know, in Hawaii, it's like super busy and we're small. So we're like, it's super busy and then it'll go, something happens like SARS or like the president says, or the governor says, don't visit Hawaii. Like, and then tourism goes down mm. and we're like economic slump. So it's very like sensitive here. So I, I think being an entrepreneur, it's just like, I'm very careful about scaling and I know I should push. And I've had people tell me like, Hey, you gotta be more, you gotta be more out there and push. But I feel like I just, would see my stepdad when I was younger just getting laid off and laid off like time and time again. And I know it really sucks. So I don't want to put anybody in that position. So I, as an entrepreneur, I was all about scale and grow and grow and grow. And like I was in this whole peer group where it was that you? all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Um, however, in all these, I call them business porn books, they should, one of the, book should be a, a book and I brought it up a couple times on this uh, pod but it's called Small Giants and just focusing on being great right I, and small. I, I've seen that book around it's a good one and it talks about all, it talks to all these private entrepreneurs uh, or private companies um, some are pretty big that just, just choose to stay small and great and focused on where they are right and um, look there's a spectrum to everything there's benefits to scale and growth there's also benefits to being really focused and niched, niched, niched down yeah. into a really specific set. Okay, but I I appreciate that. Because it's like the accordion, being able to flex and be like an accordion yeah. as the business is coming in is really important to stay I, nimble, I especially. I think that's the here. one. Like the, the thing I, I, I'm not the only person that run against, runs against this issue, though, is that I didn't really have business people in my life growing up. Um, I didn't have a somebody to to look up to. I don't have a mentor, mm -hmm. so I think I just learned by failure mm. and being really broke all the time. And so, like, it pushed me to like work harder. I either, you know, had to give up and with my walk away with my tail between my legs, or just push harder. And I think that failure really pushed me harder. And I there's so many blind spots that I have, and I'm learning every day. And it would be really great. You so awesome. If there was like a sage interior designer who owned a firm would be like, Michelle, let me take you under your wing. But I feel like I learn best when I go through the fire and I burn myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
my son was just writing an essay. He's 13. And I was reading it and I was like, I was really impressed. But he, he pulled something from like a childhood basketball coach who's also a friend, um, Coach Mackey, give him a shout out. But he, um, Theo, my son, wrote, you know, I, I remember back like failure. I learned from failure and I had a basketball coach when I was a kid. He's still a kid. But um, he would say, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. And I think like as an entrepreneur being in a dark time, I brought this up before as well. It's coming out of a dark time of failure. Um, I remember being on a bus and seeing a woman in a shirt ahead of me. I was with my daughter. We were heading up to the Catskills to go to a friend's. And um, she was leaning forward. I couldn't read it. And then finally she leaned forward enough that I could see her shirt. It said, failure mm -hmm. is just unfinished learning. Mm -mm. And somehow that t-shirt philosophy <laughs> was like a really pivotal, uh, piv pivotal like uh, antidepressant. It was really, yeah. it gave, it, it like helped me get back up on the purpose horse. The purpose horse, yeah. I like that. It was good. No, yeah. Giddy up. I feel like, you know, now that we're talking about this, I feel like, you know, the hesitation to scale, you know, that kind of fear about laying people off and things. I think for me, and maybe this is a woman thing, is that the risk is more relationships. It's not monetary. It's not like uh, sort of like creatively or any of those things. It's really like relationship. Mm. Like, am I going to fail this person? Yeah. Or, you know, so I think, I don't know if that's a woman thing. It sounds like it is, but I think it's a it's an empathetic, yeah, psychologist thing, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, relationships are everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was once at this another entrepreneur event where, actually, talking about extrovert um, introvert, it was this woman. Um, I can't remember her name, Susan Kane or something. She wrote a book called Quiet. Mm -hmm. And it talks about yep. introverts, extroverts, and she came up with it. I don't know if she came up with the idea, but I, it resonated with me of ambiverts. So people that can do both, but need introvert time. You just sound like you're ta talented. And extrovert time. But I was in this room of a hundred other entrepreneurs and they, they did like some survey monkey, like real time yeah. thing. And are you like driven, data, it was like basically a Myers Briggs. There were like four things, yeah. and then or you and or and empathetic was one, and then like most everyone was like a I or D, which is like driven mm -hmm. data, and then there was one empathetic one, which was me, oh. and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing in this room with all these people? I'm different, but entrepreneurs take on every kind of shape and size. And everyone has their own style. Yeah. And to me, but the reason why I'm sharing that is it's it's really about interpersonal relationship, that space between yeah. that and the and that the relationship that exists between that is really valuable. And that's why I would feel bad if I were laying someone off. Yeah. Right? And it's it's that relationship. It's not the money. I've never done all this stuff for the money. I've always thought that the money would follow if I'm really doing what I love. Yeah. I think you know, some of my team members have told me that one of the best things about working here is the culture. Mm -hmm. And I, it's really important to me 
because you see these people more than you see your own family sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, no, I think all the time. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah. Cause and if then you they, factor in sleep and work, there's right. like, there's some shoulder time. Right. I, mean, I definitely talk to them more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's important. You want to come to work and you want to like the people that you work with and you want to, and we do these things on Monday. It's Inspiration Monday where we, we talk about anything we're inspired by. It doesn't have to be design related. And it's like, it's fun to learn about people outside of work. Mm. You know, you're like, you always think of them as, as something. Like, what did I hear? Something, somebody said like, you know when you see your, in elementary school, when you see your teacher out of school. Oh, it's like, weird. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, whoa. She's grocery shop shopping. You're like, whoa. She's like a human. <laughs> She's like a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that. So every Monday I'm like, wow, there you are. So I think it's a, it's important to have like a good culture and a, a workplace. And we certainly have one. And I feel like, I know you should never say family. It should be more like a team. Mm -hmm. But I really feel like uh, I don't want to let them down. Yeah. Yeah. Ohana. Ohana. <laughs> uh, I also so go t-shirt philosophy there was an, and blind spots it made me think of kind of supermarket philosophy so seeing the teacher you're like oh wow that's a real person yeah. it's not like this mythical god that I'm I'm like worshiping every day or I have to like be subservient to um I had a really interesting New York City supermarket experience once where you know New York City everything is fast 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 you're going and then I remember going in one of these small grocery store, super, not supermarket, but they call it that, just smaller. And like someone's leaning over, trying to find the box of pasta or something. And I'm like getting really frustrated, like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, impatient. And then I go around to the next aisle and then I'm looking for some spice and it's on the bottom. And then I'm down there trying to do it. And I was like, oh my God, I just, You're became, that guy. I just became what I hated five <laughs> seconds ago. I was like, you know what? I just got to chill out. Yeah. But that was like a good um, looking in the mirror blind spot reduction for me. Empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as you're looking forward to what's out in the future, um, long-term, mid-term, near-term, it doesn't matter. What's exciting you most about what you're up to? So we love to think of ourselves as creatives and that interior design is our platform right now. And... We just mentioned being ADD. I think this is the perfect job for me because I get to do many things. But creatively, I am really excited for our team to like do other things besides interior design. So, I mean, quietly we've been doing, or maybe not so quietly, in all of our projects, we do collaborations with artists. So we take their art and we use it and reformat it for fabric wall covering we design our own lighting we design all our own furniture so we're trying to put something together where we have our own stuff cool. and um yeah i think really would well continue to work and collaborate with artists to do this but i think it'd be a nice creative shift yeah and it's like you're building intellectual property right you yeah you have this whole catalog of past work and you're doing all this stuff all day every day it's nice to have it out there and in a way monetize that in some way so it's like this evergreen creative yeah, space i think i think for so long 
um, we were fortunate to have our clients include us in their marketing. You know, they don't have to do that. I think a lot of people will say, here's our hotel. This is the design. But now more people are saying, and the designer was the Vanguard Theory. And it's great. Our clients have been very generous um, in doing that. Uh, but we weren't able to kind of craft our own narrative. The narrative was always put out there by our projects and what their needs were. So I think um, I think it's time that we sort of craft our own narrative and kind of put the greatest hits together and say, like, this is, this is who we are. Uh, we are Hawaii, and we're proud of it. And um, I think Hawaii is a really lucrative brand. And if you look, you know, even in the mainland, you'll see like poke bowls, you'll see Hawaiian chips, you'll see like Maui this or whatever, and it's not from Hawaii. Yeah. So we know that Hawaii aesthetic, tropical aesthetic, surf aesthetic is super uh, marketable. And we want to say our point of view coming from Hawaii, this is what it means for us. And you can take something authentic away with you if you, you know, work with us. So I think that's our goal this year is to kind of trickle out into other creative avenues because all of us, I mean, especially on Mondays now we know, um, all of us have other creative like interests that we want to explore. I love it. And whatever I can do to help, I'm here to help. Thanks. Um, So now I just have an aside story or a question for you. You know, we'll be, there'll be like a severe weather front or a, tsunami warning and the 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 phones go yeah a couple years ago someone somewhere in hawaii pushed the wrong button and it said like incoming nuclear attack right it was a mistake Mm -hmm. but i'm very curious where were you when that came through and what were you thinking listen (laughs) i i don't know if like it was just some weird reflex or something where it really, like your personality, I think really shines when something like that happens, mm-hmm. right? You're either fight, flight, or freeze. I was laughing. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but I was in my apartment building and I mean, no one has ever prepped us for that. I mean, actually, you know what? When we were younger, mm-hmm. this is bananas. When we were younger, I remember being in elementary school and the sirens going off and we all had to hide underneath our desks because, you know, Tuck like, cover. you know, we had, there's a lot of military. Pearl Harbor yeah. was not that long ago. And there's a us. lot of very important military installations out here. Yeah. yeah but like hiding under your desk, what is that going to do? Right. But so remember this thing went off. I was in, I had no food in my refrigerator. I took a, like a Brita water pitcher and a cliff box. <laughs> I just start laughing and i mean i went down to the basement which is air conditioned so it wasn't like right. a big deal but i just i remember seeing people running around our building with their children and they were terrified i felt really bad for that but i couldn't stop laughing at Ugh. the situation but you should have seen like i left after everything was called down i left and i i don't know i was driving to a friend's house and there were it was chaotic there were drunk people on the road. I mean, people. I heard like a fancy golfers uh, golf club here. Mm-hmm. 
at Wale, I heard people were going behind the bar, like old little ladies and just chugging top shelf. No way. Oh, see, I haven't heard all this. For some, I don't know what made me just think of it, but that's just like a crazy thing. Should it be a movie? It's, it I think it could movie. be a movie. Yeah, 100%. I feel like that's like a, that was a movie. Wasn't that like a weird, I don't like know. Seth Rogen type of? Oh, maybe when LA like got yeah. devoured by a, a volcano or yeah. something like that. I forgot though. That was a weird one. Yeah. Um, weird. Uh, okay, cool. But yeah, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, the person I was with at the time was not laughing. Uh, they were calling everyone saying, I love you. And I was just like. How long did it take before they said, oh, it was a mistake? You know, I don't remember. I don't think it was like super long. How do you push a wrong button like that? That's just crazy. Well. It's a mistake. Don't you. In my mind, there's one of those plastic yeah, things. The that cover. Cover. Yeah. Or and two people have to like turn a key the same. at the same time <laughs> before you push that. Yeah. Maybe it was just like a test of like a, a mass psychology, a mass psychosis test. And they just <laughs> measured every how everyone reacted. Some like curious kid was like, what does this do? Just and like, flipping well, one. The, and here we we know that this one, and maybe there were a couple others they saw in some kind of video that started laughing and they're like, these are the people we need for for the arc. Probably like a stress laugh or something. I don't know. I think we just came up with a an idea for a show. <laughs> uh, Michelle, this has been awesome. Um, if people wanted to learn more about you or Vanguard Theory, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Our website, thevanguardtheory.com. Right. And uh, seriously, I know I've wanted to do this since November. I'm glad we're doing it in I'm person. Glad, mahalo. Right. A thousand mahalos. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. It really it's is. Fun. <laughs> and uh, hey, listeners, thank you for all listening because without you listening and showing such interest in these amazing guests that we have, I wouldn't be sitting here in Hawaii with Michelle having this conversation. Yeah. So mahalo to all of you and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.